0: We were terrible. I'm oh, still so one. I love it. Honey, lads. The
1: sky's salmon again.
0: Who paid for the nachos? Nor rain, nor
1: wind, nor snow. Classico. Hello, Fanati Kelligen van Colorado Rapids. Ye, Larster nar holding the highline met Rabin and Rodhar. I hate Matt Pollard, and I am still so full of waffles, fries, and beer, you guys. <laughs> we are sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. It is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. Happy belated Easter and Passover to those who celebrated. Sean Dice, the greatest bald ginger in the world, is out at burnley fc the magic of the cup is back uh, with the third round of the lamar hunt u.s open cup underway at time of recording the rapids can't get rail hawked or cup set if they get a bye to the fourth round and all is not well in Rapidland. i'm joined now by a man who has never been beer showered at decoup as cole bassett steps onto the field rabbi mark goodman
0: it's good to see you, Matt. Welcome home from the uh, cold confines of uh, northern Europe. How are you doing, man?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm surprised jet lag is still. I'm my sleep cycle hasn't gotten back to normal, and I've been home since Wednesday afternoon. What would be technically Thursday morning for my internal body clock upon arrival at DIA, and I've still been like going to bed like at or before. 10 p.m. and then waking up at like before 6 a.m. pretty consistently, which kind of sucked because I was just so jet lagged and my body was so achy. We walked so much on this trip, Mark, which is wonderful. But the cobblestones of uh, medieval and renaissance in Europe, in Belgium and in the Netherlands, especially with all of the going up and down the Bridges and everything was not super good on my feet, so I wasn't able to take advantage of that of, hey, I'm naturally up at 530. I'm going to go be the first person in line at A-Basin. I was unable to take advantage of that this past weekend unfortunately but it was a really good trip um i feel much more cultured in the ways of the dutch and the belgians um in terms of their food history and everything saw multiple sites of windmills uh went to kinderdyke that's absolutely fantastic that's a stones throw mark from rotterdam i'm going to have a few pieces coming out both on last word sc last word on soccer and on uh, our substack about both my adventures and advice I would give for listeners who are interested in doing a uh, Pids Abroad trip. Um, Antwerp is a wonderful place. Uh, Rotterdam is a great place to go visit on the train whilst staying in Amsterdam. And then I also, me and my dad, got to do some super fun uh, history nerd stuff. We spent a day in Arnhem, which is the epicenter for... um, uh, project market Garden operation market garden in World War Two, and then we had a full day um, at Flanders outside Yper or Wiper depending on which side of Belgium you're in the French speaking or the Dutch speaking which would have been one of the epicenters of World War One, and would have been the location of the uh, Battle of Passchendaele would be the more common North American term we would use for it for the locals and for people in Europe it would be the third ballot battle of Yper. Um, Um, Famously, Mark, that is an area where it's believed to be the closest average distance between the two trenches in No Man's Land being just over 12 meters, which is nothing. Um... And then also got to go see the Menin Gate, which is very famous. And go ahead and Google that, folks, if you want to know a little bit more about hit World War One history. But I w- this is this is not uh, this is not holding the uh, this is not holding the trench line. This is holding the <laughs> high line. But um, fantastic footy stuff, obviously. Mark, uh, obviously, on my first night there, we took the train down to Feyenoord Rotterdam to witness the match that was a 2 0 victory for uh, Feyenoord over Willem II, or Willem II, depending on how you. See and obviously I got to see all of one minute plus stoppage time of Cole Bassett run around in a meaningless game that was just Fire Nord breaking up passes and doing very pressy things against a team that uh, was already out of it. Um, and then I got to go around and explore Antwerp. Unfortunately, I was there on the day before what would be their decision day. I don't know if they call it... Um, uh, what's, what's the word that I'm looking for? Championship Sunday. So Sam Vines was out and about and unavailable for media stuff. And the stadium was not close to the uh, center where my dad and I were doing our foodie pub crawl. And I chose to prioritize that over trying to figure out the train system in Antwerp. But absolutely fantastic trip. There will be more stuff on that, folks. And I'm happy to answer any questions for listeners or fans who generally want to know about it or who want a little bit more advice about doing their very own Antwerp or Fire away day
0: sounds like you had a great time buddy
1: yeah it was absolutely fantastic oh mark uh what do you want to guess is the over under on how much money in beer waffles and fries i consumed two hundred dollars $200? $200. Okay. Well, it's roughly so the uh the exchange rate while I was there was roughly it was 1 euro to 1.2, which is way better than the last few times I've been in Europe when I went to Italy with a student uh group when I would have been in college and my brother would have been taking high school Italian. It was roughly 2 to 1. Um but so uh you know it was uh it was just over 250 USD Woo! mark. So uh, I was close. Absolutely well worth it. Uh the Belgium nice. waffles are they they're very Different. Both of them are good. The Belgian waffles are either stand alone and very light, very egg whitey and very flaky with powdered sugar on them. Those are delicious. And then the thicker ones that you more need to dive into a knife for the ones that they put a bunch of stuff on. All are very good decisions. Dutch fries, I'm fine with Uh, Mark, unlike Dick's Sporting Goods Park both the Dutch and the Belgians know how to season their fries, which is very wonderful Uh, but uh, as you might know, Mark, the Europeans like to have mayo or a separate kind of white sauce with their fries as opposed to ketchup and mustard Uh, the mustard is more Germanic and obviously a little bit different from uh, the mustard that we have in the United States and European ketchup, much more watery and way less sucrose, so take in that into account folks but the dutch mayo is vinegar based whereas as the um uh the uh belgian mayo is usually um, either, I think it's oil and then animal fat based. The Dutch mayo was disgusting. It was basically the equivalent of malt vinegar. Canadians, I do not understand you and your decisions about what to dip your fries in. Uh, if you're going to have it, you can get uh, the Dutch fries in the Netherlands without any of the sauces and it's fine. Might want something liquid to drink that with in order to wash it down. Belgian fries, get it with the mayo. It's delicious and wonderful. But This concludes my foodie segment of this. Uh, Mark, the Open Cup's back. I feel like this should be, if it wasn't for the fact that like the Rapids are historically one of the most Cup-set teams in MLS, for, for our friendship, Mark, you and me individually, this is a national holiday because we love the Open Cup. We both have roots and connections in lower division soccer. Cup sets are absolutely fun. You and I were both watching... We're paying attention to Detroit City versus uh, Columbus Crew and Detroit City winning that one in 2-1. to one. I currently have on background right now Houston Dynamo taking on their former USL Championship affiliate uh Rio Grande Valley FC Toros. But Mark, we get to enjoy the Open Cup today and tomorrow at time of recording in a great space because we're not freaking out about which USL Championship team the Rapids are going to lose to.
0: Yeah, uh that is it is really nice to finally skip this round as a Rapids fan. Um it's been a good it, it's been a good opening MLS round, although not entirely for MLS teams as we saw uh Columbus has already lost to Detroit City FC tonight by a score of 2 to 1, Detroit scoring I think of the 86th minute um to polish that one off. A couple of other teams uh looking like they might be um, very weak going into uh, the next round. Inter-Miami just barely kind of squeaked by a Miami FC with an 83rd-minute goal in order to get through that one. Um, uh, Chicago and Union Omaha in the 111th minute right now, drawn at 1-1. Dallas got by FC Tulsa 2-1. Houston squeaking by Rio Grande Valley in the 90th minute right now, 2-1. So uh, and then the big matchup, which will be too late for our podcast to cover, is going to be L.A. Galaxy versus San Diego Loyal, where Landon Donovan will be returning to fight his former club. Another interesting matchup, though, shouldn't be a problem for them, but interesting based on MLS news is San Jose taking on Bay City's FC San Jose earlier this week dispatched their um, manager, Matias Almeida. Apparently the two the two individuals or the, the the club and the individual almeida were trying to come to some sort of agreement where uh the uh where almeida would bugger off from the team but san jose would continue to pay uh full price for his services which i don't understand how he was hoping for that i mean i guess you know <laughs> maybe you just asked to be fired and your, your contract says you're, you have a guaranteed contract, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they all knew that it was time for him to leave and they, they work something out. But, um, you know, we will not see an all man marking system in MLS anymore this year, which is probably for the best considering it hasn't been working in the last two years. Um, it's just too bad. The Rapids will be facing a, a San Jose team that will be, uh, you know, trying trying its darndest to re- reestablish its identity. Um, it was a lot of fun playing, but TSL made his team because you could pull them apart and stretch them apart and, and so on. But, you know, it looks, it looks likely that uh, the Rapids will face one of those Western-sided teams in the next round. Um, potentially, they might wind up with uh, Detroit City or Cincinnati since those are middle country kind of teams. But more likely it'll be um, Dallas or Houston uh, or
1: perhaps the winner of Chicago and Omaha. So that should be pretty interesting. Mark, wasn't there a League One USL championship upset earlier today? I feel like that might have been one you would have been missing on the score line. Did Didn't Birmingham Legion lose to somebody?
0: Legion. Yeah, that's right. Good call. I forgot about that one. It was it wasn't an MLS team, so I didn't feel like it fell into the rubric of our podcast. But yes, South Georgia Tormenta, who's a USL League 1 team, uh upset Birmingham Legion. Unfortunately, the team with the weirdest name in the whole um of US of of US soccer in this in the cup competition, Flower City Union got absolutely waxed by DC United. I don't know where Flower City is or if it just lives in the clouds or maybe it's a consortium of all of the Botanical Garden employees of America come together to play soccer, but they got their butts kicked by DC United. So I guess we don't have to worry about who Flower City United is, but Union is, but they're they're a Nisa team, apparently.
1: Maybe they're, uh, maybe they're an offshoot of the Academy for uh, Koikenhoff Gardens FC Mark, which is where all of the tulips are in the Netherlands um, but so that's uh, poor I guess poor one out folks for uh, Enzo Martinez because he's with Birmingham Legion and obviously he's uh, out of the bloody cup unfortunately uh, what was the other thing that I wanted to say Mark the other matchup that you might be missing uh, from a geographical relevant standpoint Mark and listeners if you're listening to us on Wednesday morning or Wednesday afternoon you can still watch this game because it is on Wednesday night will be Real Salt Lake hosting Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC go back and couple weeks and check out the special I had where I talked to a couple of players and Amon Zayed, the new head coach for them that was prior to their open cup match against the Switchbacks I think we're counting that as a cup set mark you know that game's tomorrow
0: yeah so there's a whole there's a whole other slate of uh, of Wednesday night games all sorts of interesting ones uh but yeah that's one of them
1: yeah so um I think that one's super interesting obviously I would say you know un- unless you have some reason that you have another uh, League One team. I would assume Northern Colorado Hailstorm would be the League One team for most of you listeners, and obviously, by de facto, you have a team based in Colorado playing RSL. Regardless of what the implications are for the Rapids, you want Real Salt Lake to lose that one, so pay attention to that. And then, Mark, we might have an all-Colorado matchup again in the Open Cup, which we would not have seen since the uh, 1-0 Dylan Cerna Blazer against... uh Uh, Northern Colorado Hailstorm. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, I do not believe we have had a Lamar Hunt-U.S. Open Cup-Rocky Mountain Cup matchup in the history of Real Salt Lake and the tournament. So um, either of those matchups would be...
0: For the Rapids to get uh, a Rocky Mountain Cup-Open Cup, they would have to, like, win a couple games in the Open Cup, which they haven't done in a long time. So... Um, we've, we've been, we've been dropping that first, uh, MLS matchup that we have consistently for years. Although when I was living in Colorado, I went to all the open cup early matches and saw some real bangers, some really fun ones. Um, I remember seeing Kevin Molino way back in, God, I think it was like 2016, um, when, uh, Orlando city was still a USL team, um, in their last year in USL and they, did they beat us that year? I feel like they got really close. It was a really good match. Um, really enjoyable. So you never know. Uh, these, these games, for you Rapids fans, even if we wind up playing a lower lower division side in the, in the first round, in our first round, which will be the round of 32, the fourth round, um, totally worth going out to Dix on a Tuesday night. Uh, tickets are either cheap or free if you're a season ticket holder. Um, But you really, really have to bring your own food because usually there's only one concession stand open and they're just... Serving uh, cold nachos. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Okay, bring your own food so then you don't have to buy unseasoned fries. That sounds like a good idea to me. But, Mark, let's get into the actual soccer. Uh, listeners, we care about your mental health, so we will not be recapping the loss at FC Dallas. But for the sake of recency, uh, we will be now recapping the Colorado Rapids uh, Saturday night loss at Minnesota that was by a score of 3-1. to only one key lineup change that we had in this mark, and that was Drew Moore in for Danny Wilson, who on the team notes uh, was noted as being out due to a hamstring. There was not a lot of that midweek, so I would imagine this might be precautionary. It also could have been something that happened Friday or Sat or Thursday or Friday last week. Uh, the first ten minutes were all loons, uh, really coming at the Rapids. The Rapids were really unable to um, secure their defensive shape to try and prevent Fires from starting, and they couldn't really. Do do anything to play out of the back and be all effective. Uh, Then about a half hour in, Mark, we had probably the most bizarre yellow card fest that I've ever seen in that we had it instead of in the 60th minute, we had it starting in the 30th minute. Uh, You had Lucas Estevez for time-wasting for poking a ball away from a free kick that was won in and around the penalty area for Minnesota. You had Three minutes later, a tactical foul for Diego Rubio that was given a yellow card. You had a first half nil-nil time-wasting for a goalkeeper on a goal kick, which I'm not sure I've ever seen, Mark. And I've seen way more len- I've seen, in terms of amount of time given, double that leniency, even in situations where it was absolutely warranted in the second half by the team that was up. And then, obviously, you had absolute shenanigans uh, just after that, Mark, where Jack Price comes in, albeit from behind on a Minnesota player, but no studs up. No, he doesn't get the ball. Not even that much contact. How much of it was selling? I'm not going to speculate on. It goes to a straight red. Um, Chris Penso then is uh, instructed by the VAR to go to the monitor, and that is rightfully converted from a yellow card from a red card to a yellow card. Mark, I've gone back and looked at this play and seen where Penso is relative to um, the actual play to think about what angle he has, and I-, I don't know what he would have seen unless it was based on the reaction to say that that warranted a red card, but I'm team get it right, so hooray for VAR. 42nd minute, DeBossi gets on the scoreboard for Minnesota on a recycled corner, thumping header, and there were multiple instances there, Mark, where I think the Rapids could have done better, and then right on the stroke of halftime, Diego Rubio on a break from Mark Anthony K with a perfect weighted ball gets through DeBossi and the goalkeeper, Dane St. Clair, and Rubio has a tap-in. The flag went up for that one, and then rightfully, VR gets involved and calls that as a good goal, so we are halftime 1-1, despite the Rapids being very very, very poor. And they come out in the second half and they're much better. Chances for Lewis, chances for Rubio on a corner. Rubio has that great little turn where he cuts inside and creates a shot, shoots, hits the outside of the post. Dane St. Clair did get a touch to it. And then, moments later, you had Barrios playing in Rubio, who was 1v1 with Dane St. Clair, albeit with not much of an angle with the goalkeeper off his line. And then, moments later, Andre Shinyashiki and then another fantastic acrobatic reactionary save from the goalkeeper. And then, Mark, all the wheels fall off with Minnesota getting goals in the 77th and the 79th minute Robin Ludd first on a very similar play in terms of a ball getting played out wide not a lot of pressure from a Rapids defender towards the actual cross and then an open man but instead of Debossi in the air it was Robin Ludd on the ground first time shot past Yarbrough and then the Rapids try to get back in the game counter attack two minutes later Don Lottie comes on and slots the ball past Yarbrough with not many defenders back I'm not even going to talk about the final 10 minutes uh Rabbi where do you want to start?
0: Uh, I mean, my biggest comment. So we want to do bad thing, good thing, random thing. Is that like the? Are we still are we still doing that format anymore these days? Matter. You want me to just randomly ramble about things?
1: I feel, Mark, like it's uh, this is a a bit of a meta, like uh, inside baseball comment, listeners, that some of you appreciate, and a number of you are already hitting the forward 15 second button. Uh, I (laughs) think that there's a I think that there's a value, Mark, and like, to a certain extent, we as podcasters recapping a soccer game are kind of limited to the flow and narrative and organization or at times lack thereof that the structure of the game inherently had. I would say this game had structure but obviously as a loss mark i think we should start so it should be bad thing good thing anything else
0: bad thing right it's interesting we should flip flip the script when we lose that it should start with bad thing i think it's a good policy we should stick to for the future um i mean this game was really strange uh with a lot of the weird cards that happened in the first half i only got to watch those on replay because it was the second night of Passover, so I was recounting the tales of our people's exodus from the land of Egypt. Um, Dane St. Clair stood on his head uh, a bunch of times, and that was, I think, notable. Um, but overall, I also think it's notable to kind of bring up that, like, the Rapids didn't really control this game in any stretch, um, not in the first half, and definitely not in the second half. Um, I wrote that on Twitter that they fell apart, like, kind of Unbelievably for those two goals in the in the 70s like they just really there was just no like Minnesota was able to get from one end of the soccer field to the other without the Rapids really putting up much resistance at all Uh, much like the Dutch when the Germans invaded in 1940 and then much like the Germans. Uh, After the Battle of the Bulge, when the U.S., the Allied forces, and the Dutch um, Free Army uh, reinvaded in 1944. Just to bring it all back, circle, to the the beginning comment, Matt. Um, That was, I think, the most troubling thing for me. I think the interesting thing to note for Rapids fans was that they thought that our biggest problems were failing to convert our chances. That's not what I saw in this game. I mean, we definitely did fail to convert chances, but I think there's, there's becoming like a kind of, uh, I forget the exact term for it, but like, I wouldn't call it confirmation bias, but like, um, Rapids fans are now have been conditioned from the beginning of the season to look at games solely through the prism of the striker. And then assume that every time a striker fails to convert a chance, that's, uh, proof. I guess it is confirmation bias. Um, that's proof that we don't have the DP striker that we're supposed to have and that Diego Rubio is not good enough. Diego Rubio has actually been pretty good for the last couple games. Um, if I were to point at something um, to try and indicate why the Rapids lost this game 3-1 and why the Rapids lost the last game to FC Dallas 3-1, which we're not going to talk about, but was sort of similar in certain ways in that um Colorado played them fairly evenly but didn't ultimately earn the win um you can't point at Diego Rubio and say that he was at fault you can't even really point at the front 3 and blame them although i think Andre Shinishiki was not quite uh, up to up to snuff for this match um there's something going on in the midfield I think that it has a lot to do with the thing that I've been complaining about since the beginning of the season, which is the empty bucket 3-4-3, that I have real concerns that when we only have two midfielders um, kind of in the center of the pitch, um, we can get outnumbered and stretched out, especially when we're kind of leaning forward, when we're we're coming from behind, um, and when we're playing on the front foot when it's like 1-1, so... Um, that we just don't look as dynamic and try to create through the middle of the field. And we don't seem, here's the shocking thing in this game, we don't seem to defend through the middle of the field as efficiently as we do. I think a lot of folks, and this is my last comment, Matt, and I'll turn it back to you. um, Some folks were also kind of pointing out that they just didn't think that Drew Moore uh, could get up and down the way he used to. And so that was a concern. I didn't see that, but I definitely concede that um, I wasn't watching that for that specifically. So I can see that some for some of our fans, they may be totally right on that one. So um, we were at sixes and sevens, as uh, as uh, Richard Fleming might say. Um, we just weren't. It was all hands to the pump defending in a lot of situations. Um, and we need to start. We need to get back home. We need to control games. Um, and we need to look front to back like a solid soccer team again, because we haven't for the last two
1: weeks. Yeah, a lot of really good points there, Mark, that I would certainly agree with. You know, I would say passing out of the back, Drew Moore was okay, but obviously he wasn't great. And clearly he looked like a player who has not started a game in a while. And he was not as good from an organizational standpoint as I think Danny Wilson has been capable of this season. And certainly I think that that loss, that drop between where those two are, given how much one is played in their form versus the other, um, was certainly felt. Um, I thought K- Lal Bakar is kind of a – he's a chaos – we haven't talked too much about him specifically, Mark, but you know he is a chaos merchant who's kind of lived by the sword, died by the sword. And when he's allowed to be a little bit more free-roaming and physical and kind of crazy in a Roy Kent kind of way, um, I think it can work when there's structure around it. it There are times where it can work really well, and there are times where if the structure around him isn't good, or if somebody has a good 1v1 matchup, or if just the game isn't going well, it can kind of all fall apart. And I'm not throwing the this entirety of this loss or all three of the goals exclusively at the feet of the form of the Ghanaian International. But, you know, he was the main marker on Debasi who gets the open header. But my bigger gripe with the first two goals is the fact that the ball was allowed to be recycled and nobody ultimately came out to press the ball. So you basically had a point where the wide attacker, and let me get the two uh, players who would have had assists on that, give them credit. It would have been Emmanuel Renoso on the DeBasi header and then it would have been uh, Hassani Dotson on the goal to Robin Ludd had a chance to take a touch to then create the angle, pick their head up and actually see, realize there's nobody in front of them so they don't have to course correct in any way and then basically just pick their head up, find the open man and then pass it to the open man. That's just, it's too easy which I think to your point Mark, my bigger concern than what they're doing from an attacking standpoint, the Rapids had chances in this one. Dane St. Clair made a bunch of fantastic saves. I think there's no question in my mind prior to the second Minnesota goal, he's the man of a match having already conceded a goal earlier. And, you know, if we're talking about it to the point where there's two or three serious, uh, you know, uh, contenders for save of the week in that, then that's more a function of the goalkeeper being spectacular than your strikers not finishing or your team not creating chances. Diego Rubio has four goals and one assist on the season. He is on pace right now, folks, for 19 goals this season. Mark, I would bite your arm off right now if you told me the Rapids could get a 19 goal score on this one. I do not think that Diego Rubio will get to 19 goals, but I don't think there's any. He's Mark. He's he's effectively almost halfway to a 10 goal contribution. And right now, the question that we had, you know, at the beginning of the season was, could we get 10 to 15 goals out of Diego Rubio in the absence of a dp striker signing rubio's doing his job even with the fact that he hit the post on one shot that could have been a goal depending on how it curls i don't know that there's space between i don't know that there's an angle with where he shoots the ball to get it inside the post without it hitting dane st Clair's hand in any case and then he has that um and then he has that um other one from barrios on the in in the 63rd minute, it was effectively a breakaway, but with not a lot of space. But my bigger gripe mark is with others who I think had chances who were unable to finish. Lewis didn't look great in this game. Shin Yishiki had one probably the best chance. The Rapids didn't score on. He didn't score on that. Michael Barrios, other than that one setup to Diego Rubio, was not effective as a substitute. And I'm increasingly convinced that he's not great off the bench, especially when the game state hasn't changed, uh, from nil-nil, and at that point he gets subbed on when it's still one one. Uh but <clears throat> you know, the, the attack was creating chances, but the they were creating chances, but other than Rubio, nobody was finishing. And that's been consistent throughout this season. That is a concern. But, you know, Mark, at at no point in this game, other than maybe the 15 minutes to start the second half, were the Rapids really in control. And if I look back at it, Mark, you know, obviously not having watched live the 90 minutes against RSL or Dallas because they were at 3 a.m. for me, the only two games that I can definitively say the Rapids had more control or were dictating how the game was being played for 45 plus one minutes out of the Game were the home games against Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta United, and neither of those two teams have started the season well. And then, depending on how injuries go, I think it's a valid question whether or not Atlanta is a playoff team. And SKC Twitter legitimately is thinking about whether or not they want Peter Vermees out, which shows you where the state of those clubs are at. So you haven't had a game where you've really had control on the road. This is a team that, even when they haven't had the ball, even when they haven't had more chances, has dictated how the game was played in road games they did not do that at Dallas they did not do that in this game against Minnesota that's more worrying for me Mark and I'm not sure where to point the blame on that yet because it's not like Jack Price isn't ordering things around and trying to organize the team it's not like the effort isn't necessarily there maybe it's just moments and lapses and concentration and maybe it's like I heard Mark from the post game media availability we had with Mac and with Robin Frazier that it's just the last two weeks both teams have gotten really good chances and in the case of Of the Rapids' chances, the opposing goalkeeper has made really good saves, and the opposing attackers for Dallas and Minnesota have converted those opportunities. And so, maybe in that mark, this is just a uh, a game. You know, this is a match of moments, or you know, a game of fine margins. And then in the average, this is going to wash out, just like how every single baseball team mark has their starter completely flubbing in the first inning, and they end up losing like twelve to one. Everybody gets one of those, and maybe the Rapids are just in that rut right now.
0: Yeah, it's possible. I, I do think we shouldn't make too much of these two losses. They did feel a little bit uh, atypical. I mean, the Dallas loss, um, which uh, hopefully you got a chance to take a look at, at some of the highlights, Matt, but please don't rewatch the whole game. It was a weird game in that the Rapids looked like a better team for the whole first half um, and still couldn't really do anything with it and ultimately lost because of a couple banger goals. Um, That all comes out. I mean, the nice thing about a 34-game season is it's all gonna... It it evens out a little bit. If you can create expected goals and convert at a reasonable close-to-average rate on them, you'll be okay. The the thing that you need to worry about is both the Rapids not creating enough chances, which I think that they are right now, but I think the thing that worried me about Minnesota long-term is that they were allowing too many good chances. And so that's that's a thing that needs to needs to be
1: dealt with uh, moving forward. Anything else that we want to say about this Minnesota game or shall we move on, Mark? Onward. <laughs> OK, uh, we have a really good Ask HTHL from Mark Harrow. Harrow, Harrow, Mark, let me know how to say your last name. Uh, listener name pronunciation is not my expertise as a podcast host. But Mark, he asks, uh, can anyone in hashtag Rapids96 Twitter tell me why our only big, in air quotes, acquisition w- for a was for an unproven 10? I assume Mark is referring to Max Alves uh, when uh, we don't even play with a 10 CC at Rapids96 podcast. Uh, Mark, there's a few different um, aspects to this question. Where would you like to start?
0: I mean, I think it's what we could afford, uh, to be really honest. And I also think Porek Smith is a buy low, sell high kind of guy or a buy low, sell medium kind of guy based on the actual sale price of guys like Sam Vines and um, Cole Bassett. We're not a big club that can spend... David Beckham level money on big not not we can either spend like David Beckham with Inter Miami nor can we spend like LA Galaxy when they got David Beckham so we're not gonna blow out the uh the budget on getting a guy who we really can't afford that means that we're we're gonna we're gonna buy a player who we're gonna have to wait for a couple years to see if they come dude um come dude come do um uh Brian Galvan is a great example of this, right? I actually think because he's injured, we've kind of forgotten all about him. But Galvan was a guy we acquired and then he didn't really play for a couple weeks, and then he started to like step in um off the bench, and then he got a couple of spot starts here and there, and people were like, Oh, this guy this guy can play a little, maybe he should get a chance, and then the next season you know, a full year after his acquisition, he really came into his own and he started to look like a really great acquisition. That's what Porik is going for. You know, you spend a small or medium amount of money on a South American player um, when they're young, knowing that they're going to mature, as opposed to blowing a ton of money on a really talented player um, who, you know, you're you're not going to have... you either are going to overspend on them and they're not going to turn out great, like Brenner with C- FC Cincinnati, who's a very expensive. He came in at one point seven six million uh, per year, plus his um, his transfer fee, which was not nothing. And I don't know what it was, um, but like you're going to spend a lot of money on a guy like that who um, his expected uh, his his G plus his um, uh, goals. Um, uh kind of created statistic by American Soccer Analysis indicates that he was the worst player in Major League Soccer last year um on on aggregate and you you know so you add to that what he cost and you've you've got a total hole in your lineup um that's what you want to avoid right um this may sound like poor apologetics or um explaining why I am all in for the Colorado Rapids that they should just put me on the payroll as uh, in the communications department making excuses for them um it's not i mean we we just have to we just have to acknowledge that this kse team is not going to spend a lot of money on players so if they're going to spend inexpensively on players they have to hit and if they're going to spend inexpensively that just may mean that we have to wait a little longer to see what they're going to look like
1: I think you address the root of Mark H's question, Mark G. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll address kind of. There's a couple of other nuanced points there. So I agree, Max is unproven in that he did not he did not establish himself in the first team in the Brazilian first division to have a large sample size of who he is as a player just because a player is unproven in that regard doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't underlying analytics or other homework that you can do to get a good understanding of where a player is at and also where that player's potential was cole bassett mark in his first year with the colorado rapids or even before signing was unproven in terms of playing at the MLS level. But Mark, you were at that, you've told this, uh, this story to me at least 10 times and on the pod, at least multiple <laughs> times about I'm so sorry. being about being at training. And there were a couple Academy kids that were in and, unasked, unprovoked, not, hey, Anthony Hudson, come over and talk to me. Anthony Hudson came over to you and said, watch this kid, Cole Bassett. He's going to be something special. The Rapids, they already know in their you know U14s, U17 teams, uh, they have a good idea of the players that they believe they can sign to homegrown contracts, players that they believe have potential to play at the MLS level and potentially with how they progress to have, op- have opportunities potentially in Europe. They have at least some idea of that. And okay, is that like the cone of the hurricane simulators where it's only one-third of the time it's in there? But, you know, they did their homework on Max. Uh, they have built out their analytics department. They did a bunch in recruitment, in uh, scouting the player directly, in getting, um, in getting player references and everything. They had a good idea of what they were getting and what they think Max is capable of. So, unproven doesn't necessarily mean throwing a million dollars at a guy just because he had a couple of good techers on YouTube, and because he's young, and therefore you think because he's young, then there's his potentials up here. Then there's the question, Mark H, of whether or not he is a number 10. I would say that uh, Max is one of the various types of modern number 10s. I would say increasingly the traditional what we think of a number 10 of central attacking playmaker doesn't necessarily press a whole lot, doesn't necessarily cover a whole lot of ground, box to box, but makes things happen in the middle. Those roles and those contributions have largely been outsourced. The passing aspect may have been outsourced to the more Jesus that we see They're a little bit further back in the field. The more working in tight spaces has gone out into the wingers and then there's some false 90s stuff depending on how much Pep Guardiola wants to prove that he's the smartest guy in the room because he can play non number nines at the number nine position and then still be and still have the best team. In the Premier League If you go back And you look at the film study If you look at what he's done In Brazil If you look at what he's done So far With the Rapids Max can start out Centrally But he's more of a Metsala. I'll include a Tifo uh, Football YouTube link In that for uh, Listeners who want to uh, Learn more about that Specifically But you know He'll flare out wide a lot He will cut Inside a lot He's not a traditional Number 10 And in that I think his versatility Fits in with where The Rapids are tactically And what Robin wants In terms of his position um i would say with what jack price has done more recently as a regista i don't know that he's definitively a six as opposed to a number eight um Mark Anthony Kay has a lot of number 10-y qualities, but would would I say that he's exclusively a number 10 versus a number 8? Not necessarily. And then we can go back to Cole Bassett's rookie year where, Mark, he was saying that he was actually his favorite and best position was a number 6. And there have been multiple times throughout his career where I've asked him that right now, and he said a number 10, a number 6, and a number 8 at least once in each of those over the five years that I've covered him. So I don't know that the Rapids play with their traditional number 10. I would say that Max is a puzzle piece that fits in to the very complicated and nuanced puzzle that is uh, what Robin Fraser is looking for from his midfield. And so – I think we covered all of that. Mark, let us know if you agree, disagree. Listeners, Let us know if you agree, disagree, or if you just want to call us dumb and say that all of our hot takes are stupid. Um, you know, certainly tweet at us at Rapids96Podcast and then use the hashtag AskHTHL. Maybe don't come at us with a whole lot of hate because there's too much hate on that dumb free website, twitter.com, but, you know, keep it poignant in terms of uh, what aspect...
0: Not enough hate because Elon Musk wants to buy it and and let it, let it open up for some more free exchange because we've been too dialed back up till now, he said with a lot of sarcasm in his voice
1: we would ask that if you do come at us with hates, back it up in terms of with evidence and what aspect of what we're saying rather than us directly, don't just call me a stupid ginger and then say something mean about Jews. Mark H I'm not (laughs) anticipating you to say that, but you know, uh, Mark G and I have said, so, you know, we spent five minutes talking about this question that I think really was just a backhanded point that Max hasn't produced immediately. And we didn't sign anybody else to really break down all of the nuanced aspects of your question. And for that, We thank you. Uh, Mark, let's get into it. Listeners, this coming Saturday at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, the Colorado Rapids will be playing their only regular season game against MLS expansion side Charlotte FC. We are currently 834th through the Colorado Rapids 2022 season. That reduces down to 417th. The Pids find themselves in 10th in the Western Conference and 18th in the MLS Power Rankings. They have eight points off of seven games played. They have a record of two, three, and two, and a goal difference of negative two. But at home this season, they have a record of two, oh, and one. They will be taking on Charlotte, who have nine points off of eight games played. They have three wins, five losses, and no draws, and have a goal difference of minus three, and away from uh, where is it? Bank of America Stadium. Wherever the the where they play, that's also where the Carolina Panthers play. That stadium. Uh, Charlotte on the road this season in MLS play are o four and o. Mark. Charlotte are an expansion team. Uh, They play a bit of a fun formation. It is a 4-1-3-2. I am very familiar, and I love this formation, Mark. It is what I play normally on FIFA, on my (laughs) career and player mode. It is also what I play on Football Manager. It's very tactically nuanced, and in that, Mark, I would say Charlotte are very similar to Austin of... Yesteryear, because they're trying to do a lot of interesting and complex things tactically. And that's really hard to do when you have a bunch of players who are new to a league. New to each other, new to the club, and then maybe also as their head coach with probably the best preseason Spanish language quote in the history of major league soccer pointed out didn't necessarily get their roster build as good as it could have been, but nonetheless they find a way, they found ways to score. I would argue, Mark, that most of their results have come in advantageous fixtures. They've typically been at home, they've typically been against teams that are struggling. They got a win over New England Revolution after New England crashed out of CONCACAF Champions League. They got a win against Atlanta when they were starting to get hurt. They beat in Cincinnati. You beat Cincinnati, good for you, kind of a thing. Uh, They're two key DPs to take note of. Speaking, Mark H., of uh, the lack of other additions are Jordy, Al Sivar, uh, who is a number 10, and then Karol Swinderski, um, the Polish uh, number nine striker who's been a really good option in MLS fantasy. Uh, Mark, I still kind of have some questions about what they're doing at center back. I've actually liked what Fuchs has brought from a left-back perspective, and then obviously the big, young, exciting option that they have in midfield has been the wonderful story of Ben Bender. Go check out his story, folks, um, what he's done, and then also kind of the connection that he had to Sasha Kleschen in the first home game uh, for Charlotte FC taking on LA Galaxy really fantastic story for him and Mark he's a super cheap option in MLS fantasy so I would say Ben Bender could very well be the I don't want to say Bassett because he was an MLS draft pick in any case he's their their hashtag play your kids guy and then their number six at the uh, base of the uh four one three two mark is Brent Bronico. Mark, what have you seen so far from Charlotte FC in their expansion season? What are you expecting from this Saturday?
0: I don't know if... I think I watched a little of their match against the Galaxy, but I think I... I and maybe a little bit of their first loss to Atlanta, but... Um, that was when they were bad and they've turned it around. I also was watching them mostly with a sense of schadenfreude at the beginning of the season where I was like, ha, 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 new expansion team. I can't wait to watch people beat you up. Um, And Matt, they're in their last five games. They have three wins, Um, you know, before they just recently lost to New England. They beat New England before that a few about a month earlier. Um, they got a two-nil n- win over Cincinnati um, and a 1-0 win over Atlanta. We ready? No, we ain't ready because you lost to an expansion team. Um, so those are a few things. I like Brent Bronico. He was a, a player for Chicago Fire who did a, a, a did a, did a job. He's a guy who could do a job. I love that English expression. It means absolutely nothing, but but it it in it, it does mean everything in this case um when the fire were really bad over the last two seasons and started cleaning house they got rid of him they got rid of some other useful cogs like Matt Polster and so on and so forth um but Bronico is a guy who could who could kind of do a job and he's done a nice job with Charlotte of filling in um, i think your point about Ben Bender who has an absurd name uh but a nice story is really good you know first round pick uh first pick overall of the 2022 2022- uh draft um out of maryland uh really you know that's that's really interesting and carol swiderski the polish striker has just started banging in goals immediately um and so charlotte went from a team where we were all kind of like i don't think they're going to get it right to a team that suddenly are getting it right uh on the regular and you know normally this would be a cupcake match where i would say uh, the Rapids have to win this you know we, we we're at home we're 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 playing a bad team like this is these are the kind of three points guaranteed you have to make. but I don't think this is three points guaranteed anymore. Um, this is a team that's on a roll. this is a team that's got something to prove. Um, they they really probably right now are feeling it and think that they can you know put things together and and make a run and be one of those rare expansion teams that makes the playoffs if they can just keep things together. So um, I am worried about Charlotte FC. This is not a cupcake match.
1: I would agree that it's not a cupcake match. I guess the big thing that I've noticed that's different between... Charlotte and other expansion teams that we've seen Mark I'm not ready to call them I'm not ready to say that they're going to be good as LAFC or Atlanta United were in their first year but they've definitely got a goal scorer uh in Swinderski they've found a way to create chances they've obviously spent money they've got three DPs on the books albeit with uh Alcivar I believe is a young designated player Swinderski and then the other Polish guy who hasn't really um worked his hasn't found uh hasn't gotten his stride uh yet uh is also a designated player um So I would say that – so I would say that they have a goal scorer in the same way that Atlanta had Joseph Martinez and LAFC had Carlos Vela. I still think that what they're trying to do tactically is really ambitious for trying to be successful in year one. And largely the success that they've had is against other – You know, if MLS had relegation, Mark, what I'm saying that where Charlotte is avoiding relegation is that they're beating the other teams that they're competing with. So Charlotte for me – is working their way out of the wooden spoon competition because they've beaten other teams that I that conventional wisdom would suggest uh, are their uh, competition for the wooden spoon. They've beaten FC Cincinnati. They've gotten wins at home. That also matters. So I would say, do you have a goal scorer? Are you beating the bad teams? And then are you ultimately trying to find ways to get results at home?
0: A really, really quick uh, thing to note that you you probably are are, are building towards, but, but I just want to, like, give the numbers really quickly. In four away games, they have four losses and a plus-minus goal differential of minus seven, right? On the road, they've been terrible, and they are playing at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, which is not only on the road, but as we all know, because it's part of every advertising campaign that Colorado Rapids uh, use, it's at altitude, right? Like... So that is a big worry for them. Are they going to be able to win on the road at all this year? And if they're going to win on the road, will they able, be able to win in adverse conditions, which include going to the Mile High City? Sorry, back to you, Matt.
1: Yeah, no. So so I think they're, So uh, this is a team not to be taken lightly because, as you mentioned, Mark, I think a lot of what I've been building to is – uh, what they where they found success is in, I think, the little moments is in the chaos. It's Swindersky taking advantage of an opportunity. It's them pouncing on a critical moment in a game against New England when New England is at their worst. In that, they're not necessarily a team that is going to dictate the play and then win maybe the narrative of the whole of the 90 minutes, but they have the types of players, and then I'd say particularly when they're at home in front of, you know, um, I think they, they had a sellout mark, I think, for that first game, but I, I haven't looked at what their average attendance are. Um, they're getting close to selling out the lower bowl on the reg, which in theory would put you on par with an average Atlanta home crowd or certainly a midweek uh, Seattle Sounders crowd. It's certainly more than Dick Sporting Goods Park. That's putting you towards being successful. But in that, you're capable of being a team that wins the game by winning... You know, if there's seven key moments in the game, you get the result in five of those where you get a key save or you take management opportunity, you pounce on a mistake and you get a goal. And in that, this team, in theory, would be a trap for the Colorado Rapids. I think given the last two weeks the Pids have had... Um, It like they the the Rapids could be playing like the could be playing Real Colorado's like U10 boys team right now and they still wouldn't take them. They still wouldn't take them lightly. They would go out and try and absolutely crush them. So on your point, Mark, about where what Charlotte has been on the road. The long-standing track record of teams going cross-country and cross-conference playing on the road, combined with the fact that you have an Eastern Conference team with I believe its first Western Conference road game on top of its first road game at altitude. This has to be this has to be three points in terms of what other teams I think are going to be able to do against charlotte as western conference teams mark but also this is a team that is going to be able to give you trouble because of how they've ultimately how they've had success is how dallas and minnesota have been able to have success against the rapids even if minnesota and dallas weren't dominating both halves for 90 minutes um We need to see a better defensive shape. I hope that Danny Wilson is back. I think we in general need to see more intensity in the midfield and that and just have the Rapids control the game. And given that there's going to be a numerical, slight numerical advantage depending on the shape for Charlotte, I think there's going to be opportunities out wide. But the the Rapids have to get back to getting in control of the game. They have to be more defensively solid. And from there they can build. This is a team with a brand new back line. This is a team that I'm not convinced is very good at the center back position. This is a team that if you get good chances will not be in position to um, have emergency defending, to be very good at emergency defending or have a goalkeeper that is going to make spectacular saves. If the Rapids are able to create chances like they did against Minnesota, I believe the Rapids score those, but I also need to see that the Rapids are going to be able to prevent really good opportunities, and Charlotte is in position, despite all their flaws as an expansion team, despite not learning from several of the other failures of past expansion teams, is in position to take care of what right now, form-wise, is what, Mark, you and I have kind of both said is the uh, big weakness for the Rapids, even though Rapids Twitter right now is still kind of harping on the lack of goal scoring. Uh, anything else we want to say about this match or Charlotte, Mark?
0: Uh, my prediction, I guess, would be a one-one draw. It, it just feels like Charlotte's on a, a nice roll. The Rapids are not, in altitude uh, notwithstanding. It doesn't feel. Uh, it doesn't feel like we're quite ready to put our foot back to the gas and and get back into into, you know, winning matches. Matt, what do you think?
1: I think the Rapids get a undeserving 2-0 win, and I say undeserving (laughs) in the sense that the performance will not reflect the scoreline. I think the Rapids score first. I think it will be late in the first half or early in the second half. I think Charlotte will change up a few things, try to go for it, and then ultimately they will run out of gas in terms of fighting in the game, and the altitude will hit their legs on the 75th minute. And then, Mark, it will actually be advantageous to have Michael Barrios come off the bench, and the Rapids will score in garbage time in transition to get the game uh to get a two nil victory so i guess uh we could uh the hockey joke i would make for this mark given we're about to start the stanley cup playoffs is this would be like a one nothing game and then the opponent uh pulls the goalie in order to try and get back in and it's an empty netter so i will take a give me an austin trusty Goal off of a corner, and then I'll go Barrios to Rubio for the garbage time pseudo empty netter in transition with Charlotte having a bunch of men, uh, having a bunch of players upfield.
0: Way too specific for me. <laughs>
1: All right, there. Anything else we want to say, Rabbi, or shall we get out of here?
0: Yeah, one last thought. Uh, congratulations to Gustavio Vallecilla on his first minutes as a Colorado Rapid. Uh, he got to come in at the 83rd minute in our match against Minnesota. Um, additionally, Sebastian Anderson, Sebi, as uh, Marcelo Balboa likes to call him, got some minutes. Uh, he has played in the past. In fact, he started in the past, uh, but he, he got the call up but not so many minutes for either of them that they weren't playing with uh, the Cobras Rapids two on the next uh, afternoon in Minnesota. Um, Vaisia and Anderson were both on the field as the Cobras took a four nil beating at the hands of the Minnesota MLS next pro team. So Just a few last notes. Um, Matt is resplendent in a brand new Dutch kit and a Feynord scarf. I am rocking my Riverhounds Abubakar jersey uh, for those of you who are scoring at home and wondering what I am wearing. Um, And with that, speaking of beautiful kits that men wear when they do podcasts, do you have a beautiful kit or scarf that you'd like to wear when you're doing your podcast? Maybe your podcast is about finance. Maybe your podcast is about hair care. Maybe your finance, maybe your finance, maybe your podcast is about World War I history and the, the length and structure of trenches in European combat. Well, if you want to look good doing it, you should get something from our two sponsors, Icarus FC and Roughneck Scars, the makers of custom-made apparel for your neck or for your body. Roughneck, Icarus, check them out. Matt, tell them how to hit us on the socials, on our email, and where to read our written material.
1: Mark, we're currently still under an hour on the podcast, and so what? I'm going to I'm going to time oh, waste no. just like William Yarbrough on this no, one to talk about this scarf. Get
0: us out of here, man!
1: <laughs> so, uh, a lot of Dutch clubs, Mark. Uh, In the Netherlands, so they have provinces as opposed to states, and then certain regions make a really big deal out of their province flag, not unlike the state of Colorado making a big deal out of its flag. The, uh, I can't remember the name of the province, and I would butcher its pronunciation, but in Rotterdam, their province uh, is a a three-bar flag that goes green, white, green. Green is a very common secondary color in merchant paraphernalia for Firenord. It's also a very common color for their secondary kit on their training material where they have the crest the badge on the left side for the shirt Wear on the right they have kind of a alternate logo that has some green and the white kind of looks like um fulham's crest but with green white green instead of black white black in any case, Mark, so a lot of clubs will have this kind of merchandise, and so if you don't get a Feyenoord red and white scarf, one of the very common ones they have is this green one that I got, and it's very cool because it has um, architecture and then kind of the local landmarks of the city. Rotterdam and Feyenoord are very modern cities by Dutch standards because um, the being a harbor city, it was absolutely destroyed by the Nazis prior to the Netherlands surrendering in World War II, so it's a lot of modern architecture architecture particularly in the downtown area uh, where i was walking and everything it's all brand new stuff and a lot of the new construction that they've had is new as of this century so they've got a few kind of uh, they've got a cool tower thing on here they've got a cool the tallest skyscraper that they have that is probably they look at it in the same way mark that we look at the uh, cash register or the mailbox building downtown denver they've got two very modern bridges which i think are cool And then they've got the lighting of kind of the stadium as well, which is very interesting. And then um, the – I don't remember the name of these things, but it's a bunch of weird concentric geometric like cube houses but like put as like upside down pyramids. Um, I'll post a bunch of photos of these on the Substack article that I eventually write this week. And then I'll post um, the pictures of the flag as well on the – Scarf as well on Twitter and then on the Substack article, so watch out for that. Uh, But listeners, if you want to see that, you can check it out by following me on Twitter when I tweet out the article at LWS Matt Pollard. Follow Rabbi on the Twitter machine at Soccer underscore Rabbi and follow the podcast at Rapids96 Podcast. Read all of our content, Rapids related or otherwise, at Last word on sports.com backslash soccer, Pittsburgh soccer now, and holding the highline.substack.com. That is where you can become a paid highliner. It is the best way to support us and all of the work that we're producing out here. Five bucks a month or 42 bucks for the entire year. Send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHNO. Rate, review, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, tweet us or email us if we're not on a podcatcher that you would prefer. And you can support us further financially by giving us money on our patreon patreon patreon.com backslash rapids 96 podcast or heading on over to the denverpost.com backslash hthl for a really good deal on all of their digital sports content as i'm sure they are churning out great stuff on uh what's left of the nuggets playoff run and then obviously focusing more so on the colorado avalanche listeners we'll see you next week
0: peace